Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And on the mic, fun fact. Yay! Just like that other great show, Game of Thrones, on the mic is also based on a fantasy. The fantasy that you can make money from podcasting. Hello. Welcome to On The Mic. My name is Mike Goldman on permanent work experience. Here on The Mic today, Roy Billing, one of Australia's most respected, awarded and revered actors. He's in the great Aussie film The Dish with Sam Neill. He played Bob Trimboli in Underbelly, the smash hit series on Channel 9. Jack Irish with international Aussie actor superstar Guy Pearce. Rabbit Proof Fence with Kenneth Branagh. He campaigns for actors' rights. He is a dead set legend. Can't wait to chat to him. But first, we are excited about the Sanctuary Cove International Film Festival. Saturday, November 25th. If you want a free ticket worth 75 bucks, just email mike at onthemike.com. The first 10 Get them free. Congratulations to all the people that won tickets last time. We'll see you at the festival. And if anyone else wants to enter their film, go to sanctuaryfilmfestival.com. The third year in a row at Sanctuary Cove on the Gold Coast. It's like a movie set. There's buggies everywhere, restaurants, big multi-million dollar boats. We're going to be doing heaps of fun stuff for the kids as well during the day. Lots of, you know, Hollywood face painting and kids actors workshop. Sanctuary Cove International Film Festival. At Sanctuary Cove on the Gold Coast, Saturday the 25th of November. Also want to say a big congratulations to the Sydney Kings. They played a ripper game against NBA legends, the Utah Jazz, in Utah this week. Kadi Newley, Emrit Pal Singh, our new Indian player, Kevin Lish, the captain, just brilliant. We are so proud of our team and how well they played against the NBA team, Utah Jazz. Like this team... All of the players would be earning collectively about 100 and something, 150, 140 million dollars this year, and our team's salary cap is about a couple of million bucks. So to only lose by 20 points, and I think in the third quarter we scored more points than Utah Jazz. A lot of NBA teams have played the Utah Jazz and lost by more than 20 points, so Sydney Kings did us proud. I'm talking them up so much because I'm a massive fan, but I'm also the courtside announcer. So come down and say hello at our first season game this weekend against Adelaide. Get your tickets from sydneykings.com. It is so much fun. 12,000 screaming fans, the biggest screen in the Southern Hemisphere, and the best team in the comp. See you at the ex-Sydney Kings home game at Kudos Bank Arena. Tesla 2, check. On the mic with Mike Goldman. Icicles, popsicles and test 1, 2. Right now I'd like to welcome to On the Mic, one of Australia's, if not the world's greatest actors, <laughs> TV legend Roy Billing. Welcome to On the Mic. Hi Mike, how are you? Mate, it is such a pleasure. I'm good. A pleasure to have you here on the show. I've been oh. trying to get you on for a while. I'm a big fan, loved you in Underbelly, loved you in The Dish, one of the most successful Aussie films ever made almost twenty million dollars at the box office. That's right. You've done your research. Um, I, I know this from years ago. I've, I've even, I actually was an Australia Day ambassador to Parks. Oh, oh so was I. So was I. <laughs> You've I done was it too. too. I was too. So yeah. we're in the special club. Yeah, we've been to Parks as an Australian Day. And, 
Australia ambassador. And, yeah. and uh, I didn't actually get to play cricket in the dish. Yeah, I have. <laughs> like you have. That must have been an incredible movie yeah. to work on. I, I want to talk to you about that and I want to talk to you about all the incredible charity work that you do, uh, all the amazing awards that you've won. Yeah. And I know that I've got a lot of actor friends out there that listen to this podcast, especially when I have someone like you on the show uh, to ask a few actory kind of questions about your career and yep. ha- how you got to the incredible place where you have and uh, and your Order of Australia medal and all this great <laughs> stuff. Roy Billing, you're here in North Bondi <laughs> Surf Club. What do you think of this incredible view? Oh, fantastic, isn't it? And we're sheltered from the wind. What a hell of a wind today. We are. It's uh, it's crazy windy day down here on, on Bondi Beach. And uh, thank you very much to the amazing team at North Bondi Surf Club, which I'm a member here, for letting me use this uh, this new surf club to interview people like you. What's going on in, in Royland at the moment? Um, I've just uh, finished next week on a series called Sisters, which is being shot down in Melbourne. I've been doing that since July, mm-hmm. made by um, the people that did Offspring. Oh, yeah. It's about um, some young people who are IVF babies and they find out that they're actually related because, unbeknown to them, the very successful IVF doctor used his own sperm. What? (laughs) Based on a true story in the States. So what, this this doctor has loaded it up and thought, I want to have more babies in the world. No, just sort of, you know, he's a very successful um, IVF doctor. Yeah. Because... You know, he knows that most of the people coming there, the guys are shooting blank, so he substitutes his own. And, and they go, oh, wow, we're having a baby. And it actually happened in the States. There's, that guy did that. Oh, wow. Cool. Who are you so in that with? I'm, um, I'm in, uh, I played Lucy Durack's father. Barry Otto's in it. Um, Barry Otto. How's Barry, Bazza? He's great. He's great. He's the, he's the doctor. He's a legend. He's been <laughs> but, around um, forever. So it's sort of, it, you know, it, it it sounds like a comedy, but it's not. It's actually quite dramatic. It's um, So it's really interesting to do. So I'm doing that. Um, I've just done 10 videos for the Australian Turf Club for their Heritage Division. They love you, don't they, the they Turf do. Club? They look after you. They certainly do. They well, certainly do. you know, you played Bob Trimboli in, in Underbelly. <laughs> I know. There's a bit of racing history there, but not uh, exactly legal racing history there. But they No, know. no, no. He was well-known horse race fixer. Yeah. I, I remember years ago, Darren Pierce is the CEO. He just started, and we, we used to film a lot of Underbelly there, and they invited me and my wife to a lunch and he said, how would you like to be an ambassador for the club? And I said, oh, what does that entail? He said, oh, we'll give you free membership and car park passes and just hang around and turn up. And I said, what, because I played a, a drug dealing murderer who fixed horse races? And he said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of bookies there who used to know Bob Trimboli. Maybe they wanted you around because it's a good reminder to all the other bookies. Yeah, yeah. you remember Bob Trimboli? Well, there's one guy I go past, one old guy, every time I walk past him, he says, you owe me 1500 bucks." <laughs> so Bob obviously owed him something before he scarpered, you know. Oh, that was incredible. That was such a great run in the Underbelly series. I think, uh, was it Matthew Newton was in that as well? Yeah, yeah, he played You're Jerry him. And how's he going? Is he, no one's heard from him. He's gone under the, the last, radar. The last I heard, I read something, he was actually directing a film in New York. Yeah. But that's. But I haven't heard from him oh, way since those days, really, because mm. he, he disappeared. Yeah, I hope he sorted all his problems yeah, out. Well, it okay. sounds as though he has because he was... There's something, I forget where I read it. I read something about he was directing a film, so I hope Well, he nothing is. that Bauer Media released after what Rebel Wilson just got. Can you believe that? I know, 4. she got 4.5 million. million. I'm, I'm going through all my clippings from Big Brother. I'm sure I can make yeah, at yeah. least 500 yeah. bucks. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> find somebody to sue. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? $4.5 million oh. to Rebel Wilson because they said that she was um, a liar and, and yeah, you, you yeah, never trust well, anything you know, that well, she says. Obviously, you know, she was proved right, so... So, so they should pay up, you know, it's not... Um, I think that's the trouble with you. You've got a high profile like that and people start saying things. Yeah. People just take it for granted. Oh, it must be true because it's in the paper or it's in the magazine. So, but she... And do you think the media is getting a little bit more desperate in this day and age, especially newspaper publications, because they're being overrun by digital media? I think so. You know, I mean, I've... Um, you know, I sort of keep off the radar quite a bit, but um, I remember once... A few years back, there was a film called Eucalyptus that Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman were going to be in that I was in that sort of fell over for who knows why. Mm. And the media were all over that. And I actually read something in a newspaper that I had said to a journalist, the journalist I'd never met or never spoken to. It really? Just made, it was just made up. I was, Sometimes I feel like when I, I do a story with that. a journalist, they, they kind of know what they're going to write anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're just there to sort of fill in the gaps. It's happened to me so many times where people have written stuff and yeah, it, yeah. And you feel like there's nothing you can do. But thank you, Rebel Wilson, for getting your 4.5 yeah, million. Indeed, indeed. Good on her. I wonder what she's going to do with the cash. That's more money than I've ever earned at the entertainment <laughs> industry. And uh, they had a, something in the paper today, I think, about what she was actually getting paid for some of the jobs she was doing and I was quite surprised how low it was. Oh really? But then I guess she'd get residuals on top of that so that'd crank it up. But you know, she wasn't getting paid. Well she was big shooting money. Rebel Wilson was shooting a movie in New York when I was there doing a movie with uh, Mark Toyer who's shooting Robot Four. She's producing it and she got the funding herself and plays the oh, main character as well. Good honor. That's uh, happening a lot more nowadays yeah, yeah, as well. Do you yeah. ever get into those kind of areas where you I know uh, you're a writer. I'm about to start um, getting into a little short film with some friends, which is the first time I've sort of gone into that sort of producing area, but it's just very, very small stuff. Cool. But I think, you know, people like Rebel, I mean, if you've got a name like that, um, it makes sense to try and produce your own stuff. You know, you might as well yeah. be right involved right from the start and use your name and get all the money for it. And the quality of the <laughs> yeah. cameras nowadays. I mean, there was a, a movie, uh, I think it was called Eucalyptus or something like that, or... Some crazy now. I can't remember what it was, but they they shot the entire film on an iPhone. Yeah, yeah, wow. And so the the cameras are so accessible to be able to shoot that I stuff, know, and it's I it's know. easier to edit nowadays. So more yeah. and more content is being produced. You must be excited about like the Netflix, the stands, the presto. Yeah, well, I mean, Amazon just, is about to. Well, it's just started just, up here. You can watch shows on Amazon. I've been watching a show called The Man in the High Castle, which that. is incredible. I binge watched both series. It's it's about uh, the end of World War Two if Japan and Germany won. Uh-huh. And they take over the US and, uh, okay. <laughs> that and, interesting. and the Pacific states yeah. on the West Coast are inhabited by, um, are populated by Japan. Wow. And, and the East Coast is Germany. Uh-huh. And it's so messed up. Wow. It, wow. It's brilliant. But it's, it's exciting times for people who work in the TV and film industry. Well, because I think, so you much know, more yeah, I mean, it's just made. the whole base is expanding. So, you know, Netflix and Stan are doing their own, own production. So the whole sort of. There's just more production happening all around the world, so it's great. It's great for actors. Really What's your short film about you doing? It's centred around a guy who's um, a lollipop man at a you know school crossing. Are so <laughs> you the lollipop he's got, man? He's got some serious problems, but <laughs> <laughs> that'll be enough until it comes out. <laughs> well, hopefully you can uh, get it into the Sanctuary Cove International Film Festival, which is in November. Quick plug for a film festival which I'm involved in. It's been oh, going for three years. Sanctuary Cove, that's good. 
And uh, hey, if you if you want, would like to come up, we'd love to have That's you as an ambassador. Trend. When's that on? Uh, it's November twenty fifth. We're doing a big sort okay. of trot fest outdoor oh, great. kind of oh, event. Right. Oh, nice. uh, we're doing uh, the kids' films from about three or four in the afternoon, yeah. and then the uh, it, it gets probably about G PG, and then it gets a little ruder after about nine <laughs> or ten o'clock at night as, as people are drinking more and loosening up. But we, we've good. had so much fun there, thanks to the wonderful people. Corey and the team at yeah. uh, at Sanctuary Cove. We're looking forward to doing it again this year, and we do features on on the uh, the Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday as well, showcasing some great Australian oh, and international good. films. Oh, so very good. You want to be our ambassador this year? Oh, I could be. Uh, uh, November. You talk to your uh, agent. Yeah, you know my agent. <laughs> <laughs> my agent too. Hello, Catherine Scott. No, I've act- I'm actually the patron of the Winton. Outdoor um, Outback Film Festival. They have a little Australian film festival in Winton. Oh, wow. What's it like? Oh, it's great. It's been going for what, four years now. They go for a whole week. There's a big open air cinema there in the main street. That's fantastic. And they, um, you know, they have, oh, they have workshops and show all sorts of Australian films and bring people in and out. It's quite exciting. It's a little, little town 200 k's north of Longreach along Roadkill Highway. But it's, uh, At the it's back been, of Queensland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, Tracy Vieira and, and the gang at uh, Screen Queensland have a, yeah. uh, they're involved in that. They are, they are. In quite yeah. a big way. Yeah, they are. And she's doing incredible things yeah, for yeah. film in Australia. You, it, do you know Tracy? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. So, like, some of the big pictures that she's brought yeah, out from yeah, the US yeah, yeah. Uh, are incredible. And it's something I wanted to, to ask you about as well because um, I know that you've been campaigning in the past uh, against the unions to try and get more big international name actors to come yeah, out to yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah, Well, that's, that's... And so she... Well, that's where the money is. You know, my argument is that um, we work in a global industry and we've got Australian actors working all over the world, so we should start welcoming people in here, especially if they can attract finance. Like for subsidised films, there's compulsory union consultation over whether you can bring in an overseas actor or not. Um, I don't think the union should have anything to do with it, it's, you know, especially if that actor can attract a whole lot of finance. Yeah, and it would be giving more Australians it, jobs. It means more, more films, bigger yeah. films, yeah. and more work for everybody. It's sort of an ongoing battle I've been... Uh... Why do they stop the big names from coming here? Well, do they, they think they're stealing I mean, work and money away well, that, from Australian that, actors? That's the argument, but also they, they, they get fees for the so-called consultation process, and I think that's got a lot oh. to do with it. Uh, you know, overall... They total, I think, last year it was it was well over four hundred thousand a year. In get. fees, yeah, yeah. So, so it's very political by the sounds. Political of it. and to do with money. Uh, that's what I think, anyway. Have and you seen any any projects fall through because we weren't allowed to bring some big name actors here? I can't think of anything specifically because I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, what decisions have been made and what you know about whether actors can come in or not. But I know what happens now is that the Ministry for the Arts often steps in and overrules the union if they say no about an actor coming in. But, I mean, I don't have any problems with working with overseas actors, you know. You are one, sort of. Yeah, well, sort of. I'm a Kiwi. I'm naturalised Australian. Yeah, you're a Kiwi but, that we claim for ourselves, like but, Sam Neill. Um, you know, but um, it's just it's just crazy that we should be clo- so closed off when we work in a, in, a, in a global industry. We should open the whole thing up. Yeah. Anybody who comes in, who wants to come in, should be able to work if immigration proved them. Shouldn't, shouldn't have anything to do with a union. You know, if people can come in and bring more money in... Yeah, totally. ..it's advantageous to everybody. So you've worked with a few big names over the years. Uh, Sam Neill, for one. Sam Neill, yeah, yeah, I know Sam, yeah. Sam, and I also did a thing um, 
Brian Brown um, company produced. Um, Brian Brown lives just around the corner. I think he lives yeah. in Bondi, doesn't he? He's probably got houses no, everywhere. He lives in Balmain, but he's, um, he spends a lot of time here. I saw him down the road the other day, I think, at I Bondi Fish having dinner the other night, yeah, and I yeah. just thought he lived around here. Yeah. No, um, no, I've done a couple of things with Sam, and, um, you know, I see him a bit. I go over to New Zealand every now and then. Got mates in Queenstown where he lives. So you go pheasant shooting with him? Pheasant, not, no, Sam doesn't pheasant shoot. <laughs> I go pheasant shooting with his mates. <laughs> he doesn't pheasant shoot. I think he goes trout fishing. <laughs> no, he doesn't, doesn't kill birds. No, he doesn't. <laughs> but I, I heard a, uh, a rumour the other day that uh, his daily fee is 100 grand. Oh, you wouldn't know? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, uh, a a clue. friend was, was wanting to use him on a film. He said, yep, 100 grand. That's my day rate. Whoa, whoa. That's, you know, he's, that's, that's he just deserves it. Yeah, of course he does, you know. And he's, I mean, you know, Sam Sam's very versatile. I, you know, he's got a vineyard. He's got three vineyards now. Oh, really? Yeah. Winemaker, didn't know that. Two paddocks. Make really good Pinot. Yeah. What's it called? Two paddocks. Todd's called two paddocks. Two I thought paddocks. you said he's got two panic. No, paddocks. No, got, full, full no, of grapes. I think he's now got three vineyards all around um, central Otago and makes, yeah, it's called two paddocks. Very, very nice Pinot, one of those central Otago Pinots. Oh, yeah, they're, they're good. Actually, I've, I've been there while I was over there for the Rugby World Cup mm. and I uh, went to a, a few central Otago wineries. Yeah, they're good. I can't remember what the names were, but they were, they were pretty amazing around there. Um, so when did you move to Australia? When you were a kid or 89. 89? Yeah, permanently, yeah. Oh, you were a kid, yeah. yeah Let's yeah, just say you were. No, I was a kid then. No, I was a kid. Just a mere lad. And when did you decide to become an Australian citizen? Uh, 90, I think it was about 94. Paul Keating, I think, was Prime Minister. He was urging people, said, if you're going to stay here and live here, why don't you become a citizen? And I thought, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. So my grandfather was an Australian, so I thought, well, I've got a bit of the blood in me, yeah. so I became a citizen. And then they uh, awarded you a uh, OAM. They did, they did. For your services to the arts. Services to the arts. Who told you that? Who Did they just ring you up and say, guess what? Or some, your agent rang you, or was it the Prime Minister rang no, you, you up? No, you get a letter, you get a letter. You get a letter. So you get a letter. You go, oh, God, how did that happen? So, But that was nice. I guess, I guess, you know, because partly because of all the charity work I do, I suppose, I, I think that's one of the reasons why I got it. Who's your main charity you work for? Uh, the Prince of Wales Hospital Foundation. I'm the patron of that. They, like all hospitals, have to raise extra money to buy equipment and and even things like TVs and awards and things yeah. like that. So. so they can watch your shows. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so, so I help them raise quite a bit of money, which is which is a good thing to do, you know. So and it's just up the road from me in Randwick. So if ever I get ill, I get preferential treatment. Oh, so you, you, you get the executive suite. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that works out well. Our patrons here. <laughs> and you do a bit of work with the uh, police force as well? Uh, I did a thing called the Community Awareness of Policing Program, mm -hmm. which is just great. They take you away for three days. Uh, they, you, you're based out at Richmond and you sort of sleep over. And they take you through the whole sort of area of policing, like um, the water police, forensics. You even get to go down to Goulburn and learn how to drive high-speed police cars on the skid pan. And, oh, that's cool. Oh, it's great. Shooting, all sorts of things. So sort of got involved in that. They, they've. Um, Did that happen after you are on Blue Heelers? Yeah, yeah. After, and after um, Underbelly. So since then, I've sort of become, you know, quite involved with the police. I go to things like National Police Remembrance Day and all that. Oh, that's nice. But it's an interesting course to do. It really opened your eyes. I'll tell you what, if you're ever going to think of being a criminal, it'd be a good thing to do because you, 
you decide no way. No things, the way. things they can find out. You know. And Dry July is uh, another... Uh, yeah, another... I, I used to be involved in Dry July. Yeah, you do. But, you know, I did it for a few years and then I thought that's enough, you know. No. That's enough. Maybe you want to um, come and uh, do, do the other one called Parched March. Is it Where we just, we just drink every day for March. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, we're, we're combating Dry July. Join the other team, I, I will. There's another one called Sober October. October, yeah. Yes. I, I like Parch March better. Yeah. You know? Oh, that was. I mean, the... when I did Dry July, you can buy those twenty-five dollar get out of jail tickets, and yeah, you can drink for that day. And people used to give me those all the time, so I never did. I never yeah, did a that's, whole. That was the stupidest never thing. Never did a whole Dry that, July. <laughs> that was the dumbest thing Dry July ever did because I did Dry July, and then all of a sudden, every time I'd say to my mates, oh, "I can't drink Dry yeah, they July," they'd buy you a twenty-five dollar golden ticket. <laughs> I reckon I drank more in July than I would normally. <laughs> Such a joke. I know. I know. Yeah. Hey, can we talk about The Dish quickly? Because it's one yep, of my yep. favourite movies of all yep. time. And I, I want to know uh, a couple of things. Like uh, the, the set, obviously. I mean, how do they make it look so realistic? And, and uh, because I mean, it all had all this old ancient NASA gear there. From Yeah, well, that was, st- that was stored in Melbourne, apparently. All the, all the stuff that took place inside... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The dish was actually in a studio in Melbourne, and they had all those old computers and everything stored in Melbourne. So oh, they the just, actual ones from NASA. Yeah, yeah. So they actually put they actually got some of the guys who were involved <laughs> oh, in it. Wow involved in the you know the actual occasion to come and have a look and they couldn't get over how real it looked because now in the dish if you go up there now yeah it's all just sort of little laptop computers and everything like that yeah it's all been up- upgraded a fair amount and so, one little laptop computer was oh, would match up the computer the size know, of a room know, back then so we, we spent about oh a week there just filming stuff all around the dish and you know um but all the interiors are in melbourne it's things like the um there's a party um, where the American ambassador came and you saw people walking into the hall that was filmed in Forbes and the actual hall was a school hall in Fitzroy. It's all that sort of <laughs> magic of film, you know. Yeah. My house, the exterior of the mayor's house was the bishop's residence in Forbes. Yeah. And all the interior stuff was in a big old historic mansion in Brighton. And yeah, Forbes is a nice old town. That's that's obviously why they used a, a lot of the Yeah, well, like, yeah, the t- trouble with parks was being modernised and didn't look like 1969, mm. so they used Forbes. And so what were the working dog people like to work with? Oh, it's they like were great. Rob Sitch, Jane yeah. Kennedy was a producer. They're yeah, they're all involved. Like Santo, all, all, yeah. the, all the gang, all the yeah, usual yeah. suspects from they're working all dog. There. You know, Tom's there sort of doing last-minute rewrites, Jane's directing extras, Sando's out doing second unit stuff. That's so they're, cool. They're all involved. It's just it was just a great team to work for, and everything so well planned. Like you walked on set, and you knew knew exactly what was happening. And the script, I think it was about the oh, I don't know how many drafts they did of it, but everything you see in the movie was in the script. You know, often things get cut out or added mm. on, but it was just you know just such a tightly organised show to do. Because they're they're all you know comedy background. Mm. Did they ever let you just freeform a little bit or did they try yeah, anything yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, Rob's thing, Rob would start to sort of show me how to, he said, oh, no, no, no. He said, you do it. You're the Mirror Parks, you know. <laughs> you, you do what you want to do. So Jane does all the casting. So she sort of casts people for, you know, for the roles. So basically I was given free run. 
Mm. To do what I I'm, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't put themselves in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why not. But, you know, Very selfless thank of them. God, they didn't. Thank <laughs> God, they didn't. <laughs> they put you. I could have seen Jane Kennedy could have <laughs> been the mayor of Parks. Who wouldn't have wanted that? Sam Neill. Sam. Sam came in. They, he was only available for a very short time, so mm. they rushed him in, and he was great. No, it was a good film. I really love it. What other big names he worked with, or any other uh, oh, big celebrity big actors celebrity that you're, you're friends with? Um, Kenneth Branner. I worked with him in a couple Branner. of scenes in Rabbit Proof Fence. Oh, couple yeah. A couple of scenes with him. Um, that was a great movie, Rabbit Proof Fence. How yeah. many awards did that win? Yeah, that was good. It was very good. I'm just trying to think. Mostly, you know, Aussies and Kiwis, really. Guy Pierce. I worked with Guy Pierce on Jack Irish. We're doing another one of those. Hopefully at the end of the year, another six-parter. Yeah, that's going great. He's done some brilliant things with his career in the US. Oh, and it's great. And yeah. It's good to see him and a lot of other Aussie actors coming back here to work now. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he loves working back in Melbourne. Like He lives there. That's, that's where his home is. And he loves just being, you know, part of the whole part of the gang and drives himself to work and takes his place in the lunch queue and all that stuff. Oh, that's but cool. Yeah, he loves it and he's really good to work with. So he's not a diva. Have you worked with any divas over the years, people who are a little bit difficult? Um, you thought yes, this person's not going to last. Let's not go there. <laughs> but you run into them. And then, you know, some of them you never hear of again. Some of them are still around, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matthew Newton. <clears throat> no. I'm sorry. I don't know what's happened to Matt. Matt. I don't know. I, I really didn't have much to do with him after, um, after Underbelly. Because that's sort of around when all his trouble started. Well, really, yeah, he it? just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a, a couple of really good agents now, um, and, and just for a lot of my actor buddies out there and myself, you know, when I sort of ask you about, you know, your career and getting started in acting yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, you do a couple other things on the side. I know you have like a consultancy business. Oh, yeah, that's mainly my wife does that, but, you know, she um, – Sort of a business consultant to the creative industries, really. And oh, cool. Because she's got a background in producing films and she was worked for the New South Wales Film and Television Office, worked for Beyond International. She was general manager of South Pacific Pictures, who are the biggest TV production company in New Zealand. Oh, so, wow, cool. So she's all involved in that sort of bit. But, you know, she's pulling back a little bit. And so we, you, you've always had a lot of work on the go. There's always been, yeah, yeah. been stuff for you to do. Uh, is there ever, ever been times where it's, it's been a little bit slow and you thought, oh, what am I going to do Look, now? The, and- the only time, I mean, I've been acting for 40 years now. I used to work in advertising and I started when I was 30 professional acting in a, in a theatre company in New Zealand. And I've worked regularly apart from the first couple of years when I came over here when, like, I'd done a hell of a lot of stuff in New Zealand but nobody wanted to know. Yeah. So you had to start off from scratch. So yeah. for a while... I worked as a builder's labourer. I actually met Mark Lee from Gallipoli on a, on a, a building site. Oh, wow. Thought, oh, God, that's the guy from Gallipoli. <laughs> so we're friends now. Um, he actually directed a film called The Bet that I was in, that Matt Newton was in too. Oh, wow. But um, so the first couple of years here, I was struggling a bit. I, I'd, I've had friends who ran a, a post-production company called Omnicon and they sort of took me under their wing and I built shelves for them and drove a van and did various things. But apart from that, I've been pretty lucky in that I've earned 
you know, my income's come from acting and, and voiceovers now. So. The talent shines through. Yeah, you're a voiceover dude. You've, you've got a so few, are you. few so regular are you. clients. <laughs> so are you. Yes. We've got the same We've agent. We've got a good agent, haven't we? Yeah, Catherine Scott. And very, very uh, she runs an agency called kathyevans.com.au. And, uh, and Kathy Evans, who started the agency years and years ago, she was around back in the uh, the 80s and I was a little voiceover kid. There you go. And that's how I got involved with them. But she's an incredible icon in the voiceover industry in Australia. And now Catherine's running the, running the agency yeah. and she's just the best agent I have ever oh, had. She's, she's really good. I mean, I love the way she promotes the voices, you know, on yeah. social media and She's she's right there. She's. Um, she's Do you know what I love about her? Uh, besides the fact I can ring her at eleven o'clock at night if I want and say, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> After one too many drinks, the fact she actually does what she says she's going to do and she returns your calls because like, so many times oh, over yeah. the years oh, I've yeah. had agents yeah, yeah. they get back to you like four days later. She will get yeah. back to you on the day. Yeah, I know that's good, isn't it? She is so good. So, what's some of the the clients that we, we probably could recognise you on the radio uh, the biggest, or TV? My ads? biggest one is the Crimsafe thing. Kimmy's dad on Crimsafe ads. They've been running for. Oh, God, nearly 10 years now. 10 nearly years? 10 years. I just um, started off where, you know, the, the guy said, oh, you know, my daughter's bought a house. You oh, know. so you're on camera on them as well? No, no, no. No, no, no right. My daughter's bought a house, and so we installed crim safe doors for her, and then it went on and on, and <laughs> she had a boyfriend with a ponytail he called Farlap, and then they had a baby, <laughs> and apparently when the baby was born, um, people were sending flowers to the head office in Brisbane no. just as a joke. <laughs> Your ads are so it's, believable. So, so it's sort of, and it's been that's just an ongoing story. It's a it's a great great concept. It's sort of it's like a little soap opera. You know, he's always talking <laughs> about. One stage, um, they took me out of it, and um, Kimmy herself came on, and I was supposed to be on a you know mobile home tour of Australia, and they brought me back again. <laughs> But it just goes on and on. So, and pe- people come up to me in the street and say, "Oh, you're Kimmy's dad," you know, which is amazing <laughs> for a radio. Ad, yeah, you know? they recognise the voice. That's great. Some people recognise my voice before they'd recognise my face because yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. Big Brother and TV shows I might have yeah, hosted yeah. in the past. But I'll be at a checkout and I'll just start talking, and she goes, oh, no, I, you, I, yeah. "I know you. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know until you said something." Yeah, yeah. But I know you now. What's it? You know any weird voiceovers? I've done a couple of weird ones, like as the voice of the mosquito on the no. raid commercials, <laughs> the ten pin bowling ball on the AMF ten pin bowling ads, and obviously Big Brother and a few other random things. Yeah, yeah. You ever done anything weird like that? No, not really. My stuff's fairly straightforward, really. What about accents? Do you do accents? You ever thought of having a crack at the US? Um, oh, yeah, I've done all that stuff, but my, you know, most most of my voice work is just you know, me, my voice, Aussie. Mm character you know the aussie bloke Do a bit of kiwi stuff in, <laughs> in new zealand and <laughs> yeah you nail that a bit of that yeah a bit of that what did somebody say to me i was working in wellington once when they had um the premiere of the first lord of the rings movie and they're getting the streets all ready for it and we were shooting in the streets and one of the crew guys said oh you know wellington wellington's now it, it, it it's the film capital of the world and I go, oh, that's, <laughs> That's interesting to know. <laughs> interesting? Interesting. Because <laughs> the film, well, let's the get film, a bear from the, the chilli bun and have film, a chat. Yeah, film capital of the world, eh? Do, you weren't in, in um, uh, Lord of the Rings or in no, 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 no. No, just because they were doing it there. No, I was doing something else over there, a little TV thing. Ah. So um, you, uh, you're living here in Sydney. Yep, in Coogee, not it, far from here. Oh, that's good. That was easy for you. We yeah. should, probably should have gone to Coogee Surf Club. Oh, no, this is fine. This is, this is iconic beach. God, it looks great. 
Um, I just wanted to ask you a bit about um, the uh, the Logies that you've uh, been nominated and won. Uh, you won the AFI Award no, as well. I haven't won a Logie. I've been nominated. Did you win a Best Supporting? No, no. I, I was nominated for um, Underbelly. Um, I won an AFI Award for right. under, Underbelly. I've been nominated for Best Supporting Actor for, what was it, Siam Sunset. Um, what else? I've won awards in New Zealand, of course, but because uh, I, I counted like fourteen or fifteen awards that you've won off your website, and they're just the ones that we know about. Oh, yeah, a lot of them are nominations, not actually awards. But, oh, well, but, you know, but, you that, know. that's as good. Yeah, it's like top three usually. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so that's good. That's good. What that's do you think way. makes a good actor? Look, I think there's a great film, New Zealand film called Hunt for the Wilder People, with Sam Neill and this little kid, and they go. I love that, that film. Bush. And I read an interview with the kid and he was a bit nervous about the whole thing and Sam said something which I think just nails it. He said, acting is pretending you're somebody else but making it look real. And I thought that actually sums it up. <laughs> that is the simplest explanation I've had, you know. Pretending you're somebody else but making it look real. So that's what it's all about. Well, that's annoying. I'm sitting here doing an interview and all of a sudden Waverley Council have decided to show up with Waverley Council, they've got a... With a giant vacuum. Vacuum cleaner and... Well, thanks, guys. Very impressive. Very impressive. We'll just talk louder. Clearly they didn't get the memo. No. So, no, I thought that was a brilliant sort of summation of what it's about, you know. And I I think, you know, when you're acting, I mean, you're using parts of yourself, using your own experiences, um, your own emotions. So if you're being truthful... And people believe that you're somebody else. That's fine. That's great. Do you have a ritual or anything that you go through when you? Not when now. No. I mean, when I when I don't do stage work anymore. But when I did stage work, I used to do a voice warm up and a bit of all you know, limber up and all that. But um, no, I just think I've been doing it for so long now. I just you know just switch on and switch off, which is good to be able to do. Did you do any uh, any coaching or training or anything like that, or it's just something that you've, no, you've taught I ha- yourself? No, I haven't. I better. It's funny you should say that because a mate of mine who's teaching at a film school up on the Gold Coast wants me to go out and do a, a master class with his students. And it's actually quite a good discipline because you have to actually think, now, how do I, how do I approach a role? How do I act? Because it's all just been doing it for so long. It's, it's, all, it's all just instinct. Yeah. But when you start to analyse it, you think, oh, yeah, OK. You know, and a lot of it's, a lot of it's to do with um, a lot of acting is reacting. It's sort of you're reacting off the other actor, you know, and, like, you've got the script, but you don't know what they're going to... You know, you know what they're going to say, but you don't know what they're going to say. So so a lot of it's about listening. Yeah. And, um, like, you have actors who'll just... Well, they just can hardly wait to get their line in, and they're not... not So you've you've got to listen to the other person's line... Yeah, it's... Acting is about reacting. But not reacting too much. No, no, no. Otherwise, you're overreacting. Overreacting. Overacting, overreacting. I've had so much trouble over the years. Whenever I I act, it's like, I'm a ham. I ham it up too much. Yeah, (laughs) I I go overboard. (laughs) Any advice for me and how not to be a ham? How to bring it back into my shell and just show those micro-expressions so that it doesn't look so ridiculous on the big screen? That's what you need a good director for. It is. You have to rely on the director a lot, don't I mean, you? Yeah, I mean, I find that a lot. You know, they'll say pull it back or, you know, a bit more, a bit more anger, a bit more this. You know, you sort of a, you work with directors, um, you know, good directors, you can sort of get a shorthand going with them. And you, because sometimes, you know, they'll, 
you think you're doing something really good and they'll say oh no no pull it back you know keep the anger behind you know mm. don't and you go okay fine so do you go all guns are blazing to start with on the first take or do you start small and build it up um i usually go in all guns blazing you know do the do in the rehearsals really <laughs> yeah yeah so Just you go, know what you're gonna do yeah so if, so the director you know if you do what you're going to do in the the, the limited amount of rehearsal time you get on film or tv and the director says no 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 you go okay fine well I'm, i won't waste that on the take but uh but do you yeah. ever have to cry you're like have you done any yeah yeah i've just done i just did a big big emotional scene in this thing called sisters i'm doing where i had a tantrum and burst into tears and i How? find i find i can do that quite easily so what do you do you just draw on your emotional past or yeah, think no. about having to leave new zealand yeah. or working with matthew newton yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things like that <laughs> and just yeah is that, that easy all, for you all, yeah I, I actually do find it easy for some reason i don't know why um and then i can just shut it off you know do you find it's better to have more spit and snot happening for the scene when you're crying or <laughs> or less Oh, the more the better, I reckon. The more the better. <laughs> like Russell Crowe in Gladiator, he's like when he's you murdered my child and my wife, and he's just spraying spit and snot everywhere. That's that's what gets you Academy Awards. I mean, some of the stuff you know, they have the makeup ladies can come in and they they sort of little tube with a bulb on, and they'll, oh. they'll put cold air on your eyes to make them water. You know? Did you can, did they... you do the cold air thing? No, I've never done that. Roy Billing but doesn't you, need the cold air on the eyes. I don't need the cold air in the eyes. To hell with that. I can do, do it, it myself. For, do it for but, real. But that's a, yeah, that's a good way to get that thing going. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've often you, wondered how yeah, they, they, they make people cry. Just hold your eyes open and Squirt it with water. Squirt it. No, just air. Air. Air, just air in your eyes and your eyes start to water. Because oh, I've always, if I've had to cry in a scene, I've just kept my eyes open as long as I could and not blinked. I guess it's the yeah. same thing as air. Same thing, yeah, the same thing. You're just getting more liquid. You're not, you know, you're blinking and you're, you're sort of using up the um, moisture in your eyes, I guess. I don't know. I don't you emotional thing, you. Is there, a, uh, is there a role that you've ever really wanted to play? Um... If you could play any role in any movie, any role, what would it be? Movie. Past or, or, or present or future? Oh, oh, that's a big one. Because um... there's a role coming up to be a Waverley Council. Yeah, big I think that's what I want. I want to, yeah, I want, to, I want to be the guy that drives the drives the truck. Drives <laughs> what, the truck. No, look, I've been pre- I've been pretty lucky. I've had all sorts of roles, you know, from you know country town mayors to drug dealing murderers to fathers I'm getting a lot of dad and granddad roles now but no I definitely want to be there they go be the guy that <laughs> drives the Waverley Council vacuum truck what's what's your favourite movie of all time um, with Nail and I how good is that? Yeah, isn't that great? I love that movie. I actually met Richard E. Grant. We're making time. Yeah, I actually met <laughs> what is that in the sink? It's matter. Yeah, I, I just love it because it's all about actors and that whole situation of not getting work. And I actually met Richard E. Grant when we were doing um, the stage version of Cloud Street in London. He invited the whole cast and crew round to his house in Richmond for this big lunch oh wow cool and paid badminton on the on the lawn he had a big aussie flag there <laughs> he's a vegetarian but really? he had a cook to cook roast lamb oh and wow he's, he's a teetotaler but there's champagne and wine everywhere it was just a, such a great day oh that's awesome so i've actually got a photo with me and him uh, your, with nail and your I. favorite movie did you with tell nail him it's your favorite movie yeah, 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 what did yeah. he say oh, 
I think a lot of people say that to me. Yeah, it, it is a great it's film. Just, I just think it's it's a great actor's film because it's it's all about that frustration of not getting work and then when you do and then that I love it when I get to the job, you know, and he hasn't got the job and this sort of that, en- <laughs> that envy. He played it beautifully. And, and, and you know, he played, the, he played a brilliant alcoholic because he doesn't drink, but his father was an alcoholic. Right. He, he shot a movie, he wrote... And oh, I thought they were drunk in that. He wrote and directed um, a movie called Wawa, which was father was... Where was it? In not. Rhodesia, in one of those South African countries where his father was the ambassador and his mm. father was a chronic alcoholic. Mm. So he doesn't drink at all, but, but he played that character and with Nail like perfectly. You know, you would have thought he, you, he just you thought he was it. You thought he was pissed. One of my favourite moments in the movie is where they can't afford to pay their heating bill, so they just <laughs> they strip down and start putting Denka rub oh, no, all over no, their, no, body. No, no, <laughs> their body. It's hilarious. It's really funny. And they're scared of the the uh, the hunter that brings him a pheasant. Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah, they can... yeah, yeah, yeah. And that chook they cook. You know, they just put the chook in a, in a kettle and put it. in... You made me want to watch that again. Yeah, yeah, it's good. That's amazing. Uh, Roy Billing, you are such a legend and an icon in Australian film and television, and it's been such an honour to talk to you. Thank you for for coming all the way down here to North Bondi Surf Club. All the way from Coogee. All the way from Coogee. And, and, uh, and, mate, hopefully you can come up to the Sanctuary Cove International Film Festival in November. Yeah, let me know. You've got my email address, so let me know when it's on. Talk you out and look after you and treat you like a king. Yeah, that'd be good. Be good. Good fun. They're really good to see you there. Thank you, Roy Billing. Thank you for being on the mic. Thanks, Mike. Good to be on the mic. You've been listening to On the Mic with Mike Goldman. Subscribe, download, and review at iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, or your favourite podcasting app. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.